This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with By Heart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is By Heart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you. Additional terms and conditions apply. We know you're seeing all the Mother's Day gift guides everywhere. And while we usually do some didn't I just feed you version, this year we have the one perfect Mother's Day gift that works for everyone even our last-minute shoppers, mylifeinabook.com. Mylifeinabook.com is a unique service that turns the life stories of people you love into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your gift recipient a question via email. These can be pre-written questions that they provide, or you can customize the questions the way that I did for my mom. Your recipient can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. I'm really excited to be creating a book with my own mom this year, and I can't wait to hear some of her childhood memories, what it was really like raising three kids as a single mother, and how she's enjoyed becoming a grandmother, too. And when the book is done, you'll have a beautiful keepsake for her and for you too. You can even choose to have an audiobook created from the recordings. It's easy to sign up and the process is automated so you don't have to worry about missing a week. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code D-I-J-F-Y at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code D-I-J-F-Y for 10% off today. I think start with veggies if you're like, I don't know what to grill because I think that veggies are transformed by the grill. And I also think they're a nice low expense entry point for learning your grill, especially if you have a new gas grill. Every grill is a little bit different. Do you remember? Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Welcome to the summer season of Didn't I Just Feed You? I just like to say welcome every time. That's so <laughs> that's so nice of you, Megan. Welcome. Also, I just got confused for a moment. I but know you know you did. why? I heard you get confused. Why? Because school's out for summer. I'm like totally we discombobulated. Don't. We this probably week. can't afford that song, by the way, Stacy. <laughs> Oh, I don't know what song you're talking about. I'm kidding. That's I'm just kidding. a little ditty. Um, I know. <laughs> That's a little from, ditty I put right? together. <laughs> For you, it's the first week of summer vacation. It We're is. We're pre-recording because we both have like weird summer schedules. So yeah, it's hard. Sometimes it's like hard to know what episode are I know, we recording? I'm, what episode? What day? Where am I? Yeah. Also, so we're talking about grilling today. That's what episode we're on. I think this is episode 46, but also 
it's fun to talk about the summer season because it's really not actually that much different from a regular season, except for that it's only six episodes and then we take a one week break again. And then we get to talk about back to school, which I know is like everyone's favorite subject. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as much as people complain about it, it is consistently over the many years I've been doing this like family food thing, the most popular content. Y'all really feel like you need help with back to school and we are here to provide that help. So in fact, right this very moment, take a second, make sure that you are subscribed wherever you are listening right now. Because like Megan said, it's going to go quick. We're not trying to be Debbie Downers. (laughs) We want you to enjoy your summer. We've got fun stuff coming up, but we don't want you to miss a thing this summer and especially leading into back to school starting first thing in August. Yeah, which is nice because it means you guys will get some back to school tips, school lunches, make ahead breakfast, a bunch of fun stuff before school starts for a lot of the country. Yeah, but some people actually start really early in August. We lived in Georgia. That's around the time we would start. So that is bananas. And we start mid-August here in Boise. So it makes sense to start doing back to school stuff at the end of July, beginning of August. Also, while we're talking about subscribing, if you're already there subscribing and you have the opportunity to like give us five stars or write a review, <laughs> I also think you should do that because they make Stacey and I's days, but they also help new people find us. And we just want to spread the wealth of knowledge that we have to all parents everywhere. All right, Stacey, I know we're going to talk about grilling today and I know it's not really your favorite subject, which I'm curious about why, but I love grilling and I am super excited to share what I, why I love grilling and why I think that the grill is a family cook's BFF during summer vacation. I'm very excited to talk to you about grilling, Megan, because I consider you an expert. You're someone I look to. I definitely have some experience with it. I definitely want to talk about what I learned while researching my upcoming cookbook because there was some surprising stuff in particular around marinades. And chicken's like the number one thing that people grill, which is not the only thing they should be grilling. So I'm excited for you to share what you learned. Yes. But I'm also excited for you to share. I just want to explain why grilling isn't my thing because it's a logistical problem. So I live in Brooklyn. I live in a brownstone. And if you're not familiar with these types of city dwellings, I know they have them in Chicago and San Francisco, but if you're listening somewhere else, you haven't visited one of those places and been inside, you walk up um, maybe five or six steps to a stoop. And that gets you to the parlor floor if the house hasn't been broken down into several apartments. So the parlor floor is actually above sidewalk level by a little bit. And then there's a garden level that is at sidewalk level. And then there's a sub-basement. So I explain this because the way my house is configured, my first floor with the kitchen, with everything, is on the parlor floor. And we have a deck off of that with maybe 10 stairs down to our backyard. And because of construction and logistical things, our deck can only be like so many feet wide. And we couldn't fit a table and a grill and plants all up there comfortably. So I have a very pretty table and chairs and plants, and then you have to walk downstairs to get to the grill. So that means going from my kitchen 
through the living room, out onto the deck, down the stairs to the grill in order to grill. And I don't like that. And also there's, I, because I've been in your house, I know this, there's like two or three little stairs from the living room out onto that patio even. So it's like a ton of stairs just to get to your grill. So I deeply understand that, that it's like a pain. And also you couldn't have a grill on your wooden deck or you wouldn't want to anyways, right? Uh, I think we can because it's it's epoch. Is that what it's called? It's not real oh, okay. wood. It just looks like wood. But but yeah, I mean, having a convenient setup that makes getting to your grill easy, I think is key. And you described it last week or the week before in one of our recent episodes. And you said, oh, it's so nice to just go in the backyard and the kids have a sandbox. And if I had a setup like that, It'd be great to grill. It's just like not an easy thing to make a matter of course in my life. I will share that, you know, in the springtime I was in Atlanta and it was to shoot grilling content for kitchen because kitchen studio is in New York city. And it's apparently also a logistical nightmare for them to grill or have like a set where they can grill to take photos. So you're not the only person in New York who's not grilling or like you can yeah. only have like little patio tabletop yeah. grills. I know a lot of people who make it work though, because people who love to grill, love to grill and it will not, they will not be stopped. <laughs> I think you're maybe one funny? of them. That's me. <laughs> yes. That's me. That so let's, me. So let's talk about it. I want to like, okay. I think I get why you like to grill. So I don't want to spend so much time on it, but will you just start there and then talk about what your favorite things to grill are? Sure. So I would say I like to grill. I don't know. I actually don't know if I have a short answer, which is my story of my life, right? I don't think I was always comfortable grilling. We didn't grow up grilling. I mean, remember that I had a single mom and she worked full time and put herself through school. So like grilling wasn't learning how to grill wasn't the top of her mind. But I think when I worked for Alton, he would kind of like rib all of the ladies who worked in the culinary department, like, oh, you ladies don't know how to grill. And I was like, uh, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, he meant it all in fun. Which of is course. Not to make him sound like a jerk. It just was like <laughs> the one point of contention. And we like would smoke stuff too with these big, beautiful smokers. And he'd be like, you guys. And I was like, I'm just going to set out to prove you wrong. And so I made it a personal mission to be really comfortable at the grill and at the smoker because I thought it was fun to be like a girl who was good at those things because we're culturally conditioned to think like, oh, grilling is the man's domain. And now I just really love it for family meals because unlike you, I only have four stairs to go down onto my back patio. And then my grill's right there. I have like over the grill a view of our whole yard and our yard is flat and fenced and the kids have several play areas. So it does feel like in the spring and summer, and even into the the fall, we can, everyone can be outside and the kids can be running around and they can be really loud in a way that's different from being in the family kitchen and I can cook dinner. Plus we have a tiny house and anytime I have to turn on the oven in the summer, it's brutal. So being able to like turn the grill on outside and maybe sweat for a few minutes over the grill and then go back inside the cool house to eat is a win in my book. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a thing that people don't think about is that you can use your grill like an oven and cook yes. a lot of the things that maybe you would roast or bake yes. on your grill with just a little bit of strategy. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I want to talk about that because I actually think that that's 
the thing that people know least about or do least, take advantage of least. That's the best yeah, way to put it. Yeah. And I think I shared this with you in one of our like off recording conversations that I'm really into this idea of slow grilling right now, which means like I turn my grill on to like the lowest setting or I'm only turning two of the four burners on and then doing things like roasting whole sweet potatoes, which, oh my God, they're so good. I have a recipe for them on the kitchen. Might be my new favorite thing. And then we eat them for breakfast. Like I'll, uh, during meal prep, I'll roast grill, slow grill, roast a bunch of sweet potatoes. And then we'll have them for breakfast with like yogurt and fresh fruit on them. And they're so good. Um, I think you actually have a gorgeous photo on your Instagram. Oh, I at, do. Yeah. At yeah. Megan underscore Splawn. There is that beautiful, it's like a sweet potato with maybe sour cream and something green. Like It's it, actually yogurt and pesto, which uh, that is really good for so a good. side if you're entertaining too. Um, like doing the sweet potatoes and then just a plethora of toppings for them and something sort of unexpected for the summer, for summer entertaining. There's something I love to do on the grill that's sort of between traditional grilling, you know, where you think of like the grill marks and I've used the raw fire and the oven, which is grilling pizza. Yes. It's like what that is one of my favorites because it's so quick and easy and it's so delicious. It's so delicious. And it does, it makes it faster. And again, like you have to get your oven ripping hot to get that beautiful, like burnished crust on a pizza inside, but on the grill, like medium high heat works well and gives you tons of that like burned delicious flavor. Okay. So let's actually wait. Can I add one more thing? Oh yeah. Yes. (laughs) I'm doing a Stacy. Wait, one more thing. You can also cook frozen pizza on the grill. Oh yes. You shared this somewhere recently and it's genius. I bet it makes frozen pizza taste better. It does make frozen pizza taste better. And it's also just one of those things like frozen pizza is one of the, we'll do a whole pizza episode for back to school, but Frozen pizza is one of those things like the chicken nugget episode. Like, yes, uh, we make pizza from scratch regularly, but we also keep frozen pizzas on hand for quick dinners. And if you have a gas grill that you can just like flip on instead of heating your whole oven to take the like 10 to 12 minutes to heat a frozen pizza, you should totally be doing it. So I can't wait to have that episode. You know why? Because also like the chicken nuggets, I don't think I've ever bought a frozen pizza. (laughs) I swear to God. I like That's why we're a good team. It we're is opposite in many well, ways. I mean, also, I I don't know if that would be the case if I didn't live in New York City. Yeah. But there's right? like you'd have to, I'm sorry. I mean no judgment on anyone, but I'd rather someone come and murder me than eat a frozen pizza before just ordering <laughs> a, like ordering an eight dollar pie. <laughs> From my local whatever. (laughs) Like, pizza here is so good at any random place. Yeah. Or, like, go buy a slice for 99 cents. Yeah. Like, I get it. it, It's so delicious. And I I would agree. I think if I lived in New York or um, even Chicago, because they have really good pizza, Mm. like, I probably would not buy frozen pizza. But I live in a small town of Boise, Idaho. You do. So. And actually, before we go too deep in pizza, <laughs> this is probably a good time <laughs> to just take a breather. Because <laughs> you and I can go up. deep. <laughs> and um, you guys, if you're looking for something else to listen to right after this, we have 
another great, great find. Actually, if you haven't found them already, because they are very popular because it's the best, most hilarious parenting podcast out there, Spawned. The co-hosts are Liz Gubner and Kristen Chase of Cool Mom Picks. And here's a little something about their podcast so that you can make sure to listen. Hey, I'm Kristen. And I'm Liz. We're the editors of CoolMomPicks.com and the co-hosts of Spawned, the award-winning podcast about parenting and parenting culture. Ooh, award-winning. We sound so fancy. I know. We sound very fancy, don't we? (laughs) So when you subscribe to Spawned, you'll catch celebrity guests, interviews with authors, discussions about hot-button topics from screen time management to product recommendations to the worst beauty trends that no one should ever try. That's a very good episode, by the way, if you need one to start with. We are usually pretty non-judgy, but like the eyelash extensions in the nostril, that is a real thing and don't do it. And if you can't tell by now, it's like a fun half hour with your girlfriends, us, only you don't have to make us coffee or serve snacks or even put on your pants. So we have to say true girlfriends will never make you wear pants. Right. Unless they have pockets, then they're much better than regular pants. (gasps) Yes, that's true. So search for Spawn Parenting Podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast. Which you're probably listening to right now. So you're already one step closer. Okay, Megan, let's start getting into the nitty gritty here. So I want to hear you talk to me about, and our audience, about using your grill to do things other than just that traditional grilling where you throw some meat on or you're looking for those grill marks. Like, how do you use it like an oven? And what are some considerations that our audience should keep in mind as they start to experiment with their grill that way? Well, I think veggies are a good starting point because I think people think that veggies are hard to grill or they get into a routine of like zucchini and corn. And that's the only thing they put on their grill. We have a whole stepped out how-to on the kitchen of like every single veggie and how to do it. But I think a lot of people roast vegetables as part of like their meal prep. And they don't think that that translates to grilling too. So you can, like I talked about before our ad break, you can do whole sweet potatoes. You can do half sweet potatoes. You can do eggplant, onions, anything that you think you would – cauliflower – cauliflower on the grill is so good. It gets like smoky. I've never done that. Grace, who's our senior food editor at Kitchen, she did this bomb me where it's like – um, cauliflower tossed with some soy sauce and oil, and then you grill it, and it's so good. You put it on toasted bread. I think I've talked about this at the end of season two you as did. one of those things that I'm like obsessed with making right now, and yes. we continue to make it. So I think start with veggies if you're like, I don't know what to grill because I think that veggies are transformed by the grill. And I also think they're a nice low expense entry point for learning your grill, especially if you have a new gas grill. Every grill is a little bit different. Like some grills have hot spots in the back where the heat gets trapped and so things cook faster. And then other grills also have cool spots in the back because they have like different venting systems or like our grill has a rotisserie function on the back. So there's a whole like back burner that goes up the back of the grill essentially. And so things get really hot there. And instead of like buying beautiful steaks or burgers or salmon and then just like burning the 
out of them because you don't know your grill. Totally. Grilling vegetables or grilling bread, even like if you want to buy a cheap loaf of bread and do like a test run on your grill, will teach you like teach you, give you an intimate relationship with your grill to know, okay, my grill runs hot here or my grill runs cool here. And then when you start doing more weeknight meals on your grill, you can think about putting larger items or items that you actually want some caramelization on in the hotter areas of your grill and then putting things that you maybe just want like a little toasting on or that you want to cook low and slow in the cooler areas of your grill. Um, And veggies are a great way to do that too. I think we cook everything on the grill. Like I'm trying to think of a dinner that we don't do on the grill in the summertime. So, okay. Here's a question I have about veggies. Okay. You know, there's traditional grilled veggies. You cut them up, you throw them on the grill that's been properly greased, right? Which actually reminds me that at some point, let's take a step back and talk about the steps, like preheating, greasing it, like making sure that you're set up for success. But back to veggies for a second. What do you do when they're going to fall through the cracks? <laughs> Secondly, what about if you just want to use your grill like an oven and really just roast them? You don't want the grill marks. You don't want direct fire contact. Okay. First question. What do you do about small veggies on the grill? You take a metal cooling rack and put it directly on the grill and use it as a rack for your veggies. I mean, they, th- oh, they, the ones that have their, they have more of a grid than just yeah. rails. Yeah. And sometimes you can find those at the dollar store, honestly, and then just like have one that's like your grill cooling rack or they're five or six bucks. If you order them on Amazon, you don't need a, you don't want to put a nonstick cooling rack on the grill. So you just want the classic like stainless steel and just put it on there for things like asparagus or cherry tomatoes that might roll around and fall into the cracks. And then you can use tongs to lift the whole rack out (gasps) onto a sheet pan for those things to cool instead of like trying to individually pick up each spear of asparagus. That's what I was going to say because I was like, even if you give me a solution, like, okay, 500 hours to pick up every little slice of zucchini, (laughs) like how annoying is that? Yeah. That's genius. We've written about like you can put stuff on skewers. If you really don't want to spend money on a cooling rack for your grill, you can skewer things on wooden skewers like asparagus. I mean, or that costs tomatoes. too, and they're not that always costs you, and then reusable that's like unless you get to metal ones. Effort, I yeah. Think. I don't like to skewer stuff. <laughs> I don't either, except like kebabs, like if it's yeah, meat. Right? Yeah, right? When it's very intentional. So that's the answer to the first question. The second question, Stacey, was... About, like, if you just want to, like, roast veggies the way you would in an oven, you don't want the grill marks. You don't want that direct flame heat. You can do a couple things. You can actually set a baking sheet, an aluminum baking sheet, right on the grill um, so that you're not getting grill marks. But also, and more importantly, which I probably should have led with, is that you want to use, like, the lowest heat setting on your grill. Or even if you have, like, three or four burners, sometimes I find I can get like a 375-ish temperature in my grill if I have the two outside burners on and at like a medium temperature and then the two interior burners off. And that's where I will set my sheet pan or my baking pan to bake. So it sort of like creates this convection and we'll get under 400 degrees. So does that mean you keep a thermometer inside your grill? I know they sell those. Some have them built in now. I have a built-in thermometer, but also if you have a little like vent hole in the top of your grill, which some people do, you can stick a probe thermometer there 
to check the temperature. I don't keep one in my grill, but that's a really smart idea. You could get an, an, an expensive an oven. oven thermometer and stick it in there. And so do you regularly use the temperature inside your grill as a gauge for things? I have I never paid attention to that ever I do in my life. I bake on my grill. Oh, that makes sense. So then you need that. Yeah. So like years ago, we developed this focaccia recipe for Alton where you make this focaccia dough and you cook it on the grill in a cast iron skillet and it has peaches and thyme and like a ton of olive oil on top of it. And it's so good. But you need to have your grill at like 375, 400 to bake it without burning it. So that's when I started really like paying attention to baking on the grill and what temperature my grill runs. And I mean, even for like veggies or it takes the guesswork out. I mean that, right. We use our temperature in our oven all the time. I've never done that. And then it's always this guesswork or like running out to see like, have they been on too long? Cause I've lost track of time. And then, you know, it becomes more of a, more stressful. It does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say like almost any recipe that you can do in the oven, you can do on the grill if you pay attention to temperature and if you can like get an eye. It makes me sound like such an idiot. Yes. I've written two cookbooks and I'm, and I'm a professional culinary professional, but I never use the temperature in my grill. I mean, the truth is I really grill chicken and pizza. (laughs) That's it. I don't think you're like, I think you're the majority that most people stick like burgers and hot dogs, yeah. chicken, and then maybe pizza on the grill, like in that order. But you're an expert in grilling chicken. And actually chicken is like one of my least favorite things to grill because I feel like it's kind of boring, but you've done a ton of research about yeah. needs for your book that's coming out next year about chicken. So what do you think the secret is to really good chicken? Is well, it marinades? Yeah. I, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> and that's what was surprising about it. That's why I wanted to talk about it a little okay. bit. So the thing about chicken is that, you know, internal temperature with all meat is important. It is especially vitally important with chicken. So, you know, even when you're cooking chicken in the oven, knowing the temperature and having a sense of how much time has passed is definitely important because overcooked chicken is the worst. Worst. And perfectly cooked chicken can be like restaurant level, like mind blowing. I mean, I think chicken is really underrated. I know it's the most popular protein, but it's this weird thing where it's at once extremely popular and then most loathed and talked about as being like boring and tasteless. But that's like vanilla ice cream where people are like, oh yeah, yeah, vanilla. Right. But actually like a great vanilla can knock your socks off. Right. And great chicken is world-class. It really can be. So, you know, the thing about, we have to talk about skin on and skin off, but not go too deep because I don't want to bore people. Either way, a marinade is not the way to go. So first of all, a lot of marinades, even from chef cookbooks, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like very, this misinformation out there, or they're just not paying attention, or they just go with what's popular. But A marinade that has any kind of significant acid, like any, like more than a tablespoon for a lot of volume is like never meant to hold your chicken for more than like 20 to 40 minutes at most. Mm. It will start to cook the meat and break down the proteins. So 
you don't want your chicken to sit in a marinade like that for long. Instead, what you want to do is if you really want a marinade, you can make the marinade without the acid, let the chicken sit, and then add the acid right before grilling. But it's like, well, then why are you doing this? It just creates more steps. And the real, real flavor comes from actually putting your marinade on your chicken, brushing it on while it's cooking. So in fact, you can kind of skip the whole marinade altogether and brush it on while it's cooking. You brush it on more frequently if it hasn't sat in there, but you know, that's really where you're going to get, where you're going to get the flavor. Now there's one or two exceptions. One is a buttermilk marinade. Buttermilk is highly acidic, but there are proteins in the lactic acid that actually help tenderize chicken. So that's why that's such a popular marinade. And it actually really does do wonderful things. The other is salt water, basically creating a brine. So one of my absolute favorite marinades that's going to be in the cookbook is salt water with a ton of lemon juice and some oregano because I do it like (laughs) Greek style. And the chicken sits in it for like 20 minutes because there's so much lemon juice. If it sits longer, the chicken will start to get mealy. And then I cook it either on the grill or in a pan, however you cook it. It's so lemony and delicious, but you basically, the salt water primes it to soak up flavor and plumps it up and makes it really, really delicious. So there's actually more nuance to it, but it gets a little bit boring and too chickeny. We can talk about it when the book Plus comes Plus we out. want people to buy the book. Yeah, yeah. We'll share so it also. So you can get all the info. But man, uh, thinking about that chicken recipe, I love lemon on the grill. I think it's one of those yes. amazing flavors. And it reminds me to throw out a PSA of like, you can and you should grill fruit. For dessert, like yes. grilling peaches, just having peaches and putting a little oil, olive oil on them so they don't stick, and then serving them with ice cream in the summertime, it's so good. I'm like and excited for peaches now. Actually, grill. I've had some grilled lemon slices in a cocktail before. Ooh. If you start with a clean grill, just grill a like thick slice of lemon on each side. And in, it was actually in a whiskey drink at a Spanish restaurant. So it gives this like burnt citrusy flavor. It was so good. That gives me an idea. Do we have any more grill questions before I jump into like a fun game? I do. Thing? It probably do. is not as much as good of a game as you come up with, but okay. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. How do you set yourself up for success on the grill? Okay. That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say it out of order because I think a couple things sort of happen at the same time, which is usually when I'm going to do a grill session, I go out to the grill, my gas grill, and turn it on to high heat. And that like a little bit depends on the state of the grill when I, when I open it up, like, did my husband use it last? And is it kind of gross? Or the idea is like turning it onto high heat will cook off any like dirty old food, yeah. dirty food like yeah. that was Crest left on, on the grill. Yeah. Crest it on. So I'll preheat the grill like that for about 10 minutes. And then while that's happening outside, I'm inside prepping whatever I plan to put on the grill. And I'm a big fan of just using 
rimmed baking sheets as like trays to carry things out. And so if I'm cooking a bunch of vegetables, I'm trying to chop them and organize them on a baking sheet. And if I'm going to brush them with any kind of sauce while they're on the grill, then I'm also putting the sauce on the sheet pan too. And sometimes I'll use a smaller sheet pan or a plate to put things like a thermometer, especially if I'm cooking meat, a probe thermometer, tongs. And I love a fish spatula for the grill too. I think we've talked about this once before, maybe in the chicken nugget episode about how like underrated a fish spatula is, but especially for the grill. Like if you find something's kind of sticking a little bit and you can't turn it with tongs, you can slide the fish spatula on there to help. So outside grill is preheating inside. I'm prepping everything I can in the kitchen to take out to the grill. And then when I take my stuff out to the grill before I put it on and adjust the heat, I take my grill brush and do a quick clean. You can also take aluminum, make a ball of aluminum foil and use tongs to brush off that debris too if you don't have a grill brush. Okay, cool. And then usually I oil the grill with a neutral oil, not olive oil because it it can burn with the high heat of the grill, but just to give like a nonstick coating to the grill, I'll just use like canola or or vegetable oil. And then I will adjust. So the grill's really hot at this point. And then I'll adjust the grill based on what I'm cooking. So I may turn burners off. I may leave them where they are if I'm trying to get grill marks and then turn them down partway through cooking. Um, And then I put whatever takes the longest to cook on the grill first. So if I'm doing like chicken and veggies, the chicken definitely goes down first and in like size order. So I usually put thighs down first, then breasts and then drums. And then whatever else we're cooking goes on. There's some exceptions there. Like if I'm cooking corn on the cob, that takes a really long time. So I would put that on like around the same time as the chicken. Um, And whole sweet potatoes, sometimes I'll put on before I put anything else on because they can take a long time to cook. And then... I just read somewhere recently, which I was kind of flabbergasted by this, that like with a gas grill, that gas grills are kind of designed for you to have them open while you're grilling. Um, I don't always do that. Yeah. Now I'm like trying to remember where I read that. But I don't always do that. Like a lot of times I'm utilizing the convection of closing the grill to help things cook faster. Me too. But I think you have to be a little bit mindful when you're grilling things like chicken or we do these butter burgers, which these are on the kitchen.com where we like, I buy whatever ground beef at the store and grate butter into the burger patties. They're so good. Oh my God. (laughs) But they are really juicy and like the fat, the fat causes the flame, the flare ups in the grill. Um, So for the like chicken thighs and butter burgers, I'm staying at the grill while things are cooking so that I can pay attention to flare ups, which this is a little tip, uh, keeping like an inexpensive glass squirt bottle. If you can, like, if you have a glass squirt bottle, you can buy them online. I think ours were actually like, had a cleaning supply in them at one point in time. We just like threw them in the dishwasher and now we keep one at the grill to spray water when we have flare ups. Yeah. I don't, does that walk you through all the parts? It does. It does. That's actually really helpful. And I was, oh, go ahead. I had one more thing I want to add. Sometimes when I'm like transferring raw, when I'm taking raw meat out to the grill and I know that I'm going to have to move it um, back into the kitchen on a clean tray, sometimes I stack the clean tray underneath the first tray with like a piece of parchment paper on it so that it does, so that there's not the cross-contamination of like the raw chicken 
and then the clean um, baking tray to take everything back into the kitchen. Got it. Okay. So that's super, super helpful. Um, I want to go back for one second about closing the grill because when I develop recipes for the grill, which I don't do that frequently, but from time to time, I always measure time, but I indicate, yeah, and I indicate close the grill, but that just helps. I find for more consistent cooking. So as a recipe developer, I really utilize that convection function that you get by closing the lid a lot because I just want people to have consistent results no matter what grill they're using. And it's even harder when the grill's open. Don't you find that? I, we always, like on Kitchen Recipes and when I've written for Alton and for other publications, like we always say grill closed or grilled op- grill yeah. open. That makes a big difference in the cook time, I find. Yeah, and totally. And especially like if you have a cheaper grill or like maybe a not as efficient grill, you want to close it so that your grill stays hot. Yeah. So I guess I just wanted to bring that up. I mean, we're nerding out kind of professionally here, but it's important for listeners to look at a recipe. And if it's not clear whether you should close your grill or keep it opened to like make a decision, but like also make a mental note that that's going to impact your cooking time and to really, especially with meats, then use a thermometer or give it a little check with a paring knife, just poke it in. So you don't have to cut it, make a big cut and then lose all the juice because then your meat's going to be dry. So just be mindful of that. Can we talk very quickly before we go into the game about grilling uh, pizza and corn? Because I feel like meat is pretty straightforward. We talked about marinades. We talked about open or close, using a thermometer. We've touched on all the different things you can put on the grill that you may not expect. But I think pizza is underrated and we should walk people through how to do it because it's so easy. And also, I have had more debates about how to grill corn with like every <laughs> random person it's than so any other thing. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, let's just talk about it. Okay. Let's talk about corn first. Also, I'm do just it. joking because you're like, this is going to be a really short episode. I, I have know. nothing to say about grilling. I and have a lot, have a lot to say about grilling. I have questions. Stacy. So I'm so inconsistent in how I grill corn. <laughs> I really am. And I think that that's okay, right? We're humans. We contain multitudes. Sometimes I grill it without the husk on. Sometimes I grill it with the husk on and then peel it after it's grilled. Sometimes I like have the husk half on and half off. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody can pin baby down. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It just depends on my mood. Yeah. I do find that grilling it whole in the husk makes the corn a little bit sweeter. And it also makes it easier to peel anytime that you can cook, yeah. cook it whole because the silk cooks a little bit and then it creates this layer of steam between the corn cob and the silk. And so you can kind of like cut off the stem end and slip the corn cob right out if you grill it in the husk. But what do you do, Stacy? I don't because I'm tired of talking to people about it. <laughs> It honestly feels like too much pressure. To grill corn? I don't know why, because like if if people see you take it out there without the husk, they're like, oh, I keep the husk on. And honestly, when you're a recipe developer and you're cooking for other people, 
Because like There's I said. some pressure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People like everybody. Oh, you're doing that way. It's like you're accountable for every single decision you make. And you know what? Like I'm just, I'm two glasses of rosé in people. And I just want like to feed you. It's going to taste good. Like I'm like you. Like, I don't know. I've done it with the husk. I've done it without the husk. I don't know. Like, let's just cook I the tell corn and that. stop. I'm like, I don't know what I'm, I'm just, this is how I'm doing it today. Right? I, I do want to add two things though. One is sometimes I microwave cook the corn in the husk. Have you ever done that trick? You do, you wrap them in paper towels, okay. the corn, and you microwave it for like five minutes and the husk and the silk and all that business slips right off. We have instructions on the kitchen.com for sure on how to do that. And then like it's our base. So basically the corn is fully cooked, but then you can throw it on a hot grill to get like grill marks and get some caramelization if that's your end goal. Oh, that's really great. Because sometimes grilling corn is tricky because it chars too much yeah. for my taste before the kernels are fully cooked. Yeah. And they're still like a little too starchy when they come off. So I definitely lean towards husk on. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to throw one more thing at you, which could lead to this being the longest episode of Do oh, Not Just Ever. <laughs> which is, I love the Instant Pot for prepping stuff for the grill specifically corn and then potatoes. Like if I'm going to do oh, fingerling yes. potatoes, steaming any, either of those things in the instant pot and ribs, you can cook ribs in the instant pot and then throw them yes. on the grill with sauce right before serving. Yes. So just the, one more tip. That's actually genius. So if you cook corn on the cob, do you like snip the tip with scissors first and then yeah, put it I on? I pretty much always do that because the tassel part of it can get can catch fire. Yeah, but then you <laughs> then still you're like no good. <laughs> no good. No then good. the whole thing's burned. Um but you still want it to be closed. You still want there to be a seal because yeah. there's steam inside, right? Yeah. So that's typically what I do just cuz I find that the silk like I'm such a weird neat freak that it drives me crazy. The silk drives me crazy. We should ask in our listeners group like does anyone have any tips for getting the silk off of corn? I've seen so many wild suggestions over the years I'm as being a sure. food writer. <laughs> yes. Like use a rubber band. I use know. an old sponge. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> like, what? I'm not going to rub a rubber band over my corn to get the silk off. Also, don't you, you love when hacks your mind. make everything 50 times harder? Yes. <laughs> You're like, um, I'd rather just deal with the mess than yeah. even Or I'm not going to cook corn. Yeah. I'm never going to do it. Yes. Thank you. You ruined it for me. Corn is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious okay you should we talk about question. pizza pizza. It's pizza oh yeah i feel like you're you might be the pizza expert we just a lot of times i have a pizza steel yeah um which is kind of like a pizza oh my gosh a pizza stone except for that it's yeah. metal and so it's thinner and heavier and we put that on the grill to grill our pizza um but if you don't have that what do you do Susie? okay so you take your pizza dough right and you stretch it out it's not going to be a perfect round shape let it be irregular it's going to be i usually take one pizza round that makes a large pie and cut it in half for two like smaller irregularly shaped oh, pizzas yeah um stretch it out Brush it very lightly with olive oil. And also your grill needs to be properly um, brushed with oil, like you said before. And then you throw the round. You actually, okay, let's start at the beginning. You want to heat the grill one side to high and the other to low. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then you're lightly brush oil on both sides of the dough. And then get all of your ingredients 
prepped and ready to go set up by your grill because things are going to go fast, (laughs) which is why I love doing it because you don't have to wait for a pizza to bake. Yeah. So then you want to throw the oiled pizza dough onto the high heat side of the grill, cook it for about a minute or so until char marks appeal and until it peels up quickly. It peels up quickly because it's cooked. You get that like first layer of like, you can almost tap it and hear a sound. It'll just pull right up. It should be light golden brown with char marks. Then you flip it over and repeat on the other side, just like about a minute or so, as soon as the dough easily releases from the grill. Then you want to move the dough to the the low heat side. Smear a thin layer of your tomato sauce, the cheese, the topping, da-da-da-da-da. Close the grill three, five minutes, you know, it's a little variable depending on your grill. And you'll see that the cheese has melted, the toppings have warmed and you're, let's say. And total cook time is like eight minutes. Yeah. So it does require just making sure that everything is out there prepped and ready to go. And there are some people who are like, oh, you you need a very specific dough for grilling pizza. I disagree. I think you can honestly even use store-bought pizza dough on the grill. I mean, I've only used like I like Whole Foods has a pizza dough that yeah. I think is good, decent. And I mean, what I do here is I actually just go to a local pizzeria and you can buy a round of dough for two bucks. Yep. You know, and it's regular pizza dough professionally made. It's the best. I can't wait. We talked accidentally talked so much about pizza in our grilling episode. <laughs> But we are going to talk about pizza for back to school. So that will be really fun and something to look forward to. Surprise, surprise. There's actually so much more to say. So much to say about pizza. All right. Let's get to your game. Okay. This is not so much a game, but a just for fun. Remember uh, when we, in season one, when we used to talk about cocktails more and then at the beginning of season two, how we had lightning rounds. Yeah. I want, and you talked about this grilled lemon cocktail. I just want us to talk about summer cocktails. Oh, fun. Do you have a favorite summer cocktail? Oh gosh, I feel like I have so many. So you recently, we recently shared the painkiller on our Facebook group, which is like cream of coconut rum and like pineapple juice or something. It looks so good. And the original comes from a Caribbean restaurant called Gladys's in Brooklyn that I had my birthday at last year. So I've had the real deal and it is delicious. And it's like three ingredients. It's a very specific type of rum, coconut cream and pineapple juice. Yes. Yeah. That's what I just said. (laughs) Were you listening to me? I was like thinking about cocktails. (laughs) That's the best. Oh, my God. Only because I've done that to you, so it actually makes me feel better. We're actually both terrible. Sometimes we do that to guests, too. We're like, and what you just said was, uh, we're professionals, I swear. (laughs) Um, It's really good. I also love, I know this is like real basic. I'm going to get basic AF here. A Pimm's Cup and Aperol Spritz. Love okay, them Okay, I was both. totally going to talk about Aperol Spritz. Do it. Because you know, New York Times this in like May wrote this whole story where they're like, an Aperol Spritz basically tastes like a Capri Sun, which yeah. uh, I think they meant as an insult, but I'm like, oh, I like a Capri Sun. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think they're wrong. It's like, at least call it a grown-up Capri Sun. It's bitter. Like, it has they, a bitterness. Yeah. And then they went on to be like, actually, you should drink spritzes, but just like Aperol isn't the only thing that can spritz. Yeah. They were Which trying to be provocative. I know. It was just – and then it, it was a whole thing. 
where people were really upset about. But an Aperol spritz is really just like Aperol, Prosecco, and sparkling water. Yeah. And it's so good. And that I would say like for summer cocktails, anything. I will make anything a spritz. White wine, rosé. You can turn red wine into a spritz with like red wine and lemonade and sparkling water. And you know what I love from straight from Spain? I don't know why I'm referencing Spain so much today. Anyway, (laughs) red wine and Coca-Cola. Oh my God. I love it. Delicious. How about a frosé? How do you feel about frosé? I feel great about it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to be like, I have so much to say and I'm over it. I don't really. I will never probably make frozen drinks at home, but at a restaurant, why not? It's fun. I'm with you. And I, I might go so far as to make frosé at home. Really? I think will I you would. share it with it with us? Yeah. Do? I feel like you should. I will. Okay. I'm down. Let's I do told it. you when it comes to drinking, I'm pretty basic AF. And the rest of the time I drink like either just like a whiskey cocktail or I'm going to just say it, especially in light of the first episode of our summer season, which if you haven't listened to yet is all about it being okay to want to lose weight. That was last week. We'll link to it in this week's show notes in case you haven't listened yet. Or just like a vodka soda because I want to go calorie free. Hey. Boom. How's that for basic? (laughs) Basic can be beautiful, Stacey. Thanks, Megan. Because I Um, I can go there. (laughs) We should share more cocktail recipes in our listeners group. So here's a good reminder that you can find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook. And Stacy's at Stacy Billis, in case you didn't already know that. And she shares more cocktails to her feed than I do. She's pretty good about it. I like do. your cute manicured hand against a beautiful wall. <laughs> Every time I share cocktails on my, um, Megan underscore Spawn, I, people unfollow me. They are not here for that. No, they want are you sprinkles s- and for biscuits. For real? For real. That is so, so funny. Uh, our right. listeners group might be my only safe space to share cocktails. All right, Stacey Billis the- followers, let's get drunk <laughs> in summer. The answer to the secret question is whiskey or painkiller or honestly any answer that you will give. <laughs> we will let Just you in, people. answer the question, you Just guys. Just do it, guys. And you know what? you should also do is subscribe to didn't i just feed you so you don't miss a single episode and if you like what you hear please share us tell your friends rate and review wherever you listen it makes a really big difference it also just makes us happy (laughs) as do cocktails apparently (laughs) our music is good old times by alex cohen provided by jamando a huge thank you to our editors jeremy and samantha gatsik and the team at counterweight creative I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. I need another snack. Don't forget to smash all five stars on iTunes. And subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding families. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.